Hey, um, so as you can see on the slide, we're starting a new series, which would make sense, beginning of the year. Um, so we're going to be doing this series up until church camp, right? So church camp again, the 17th, 19th of March. Um, and all about connecting. So there's, it's like two months, but I've broken it, or the elders and I have broken it down into three parts, right? So let me just explain the parts of this little series and, and why we feel it's real important to look at this at the beginning of the year. So um, first of all, connect up. So the most important thing about us, and I'll argue this until I fall over, is our relationship with God, right? Because that changes everything about who we are, right? The tighter I am with God, the more the planet makes sense, the more I'm going to hear his guidance, the better my relationships are, the better I am at work, et cetera, et cetera. So um, if you remember a couple of years ago, we had a real focus as a church on spiritual health of the church. And a core part of that was all about connecting with God, being tighter with God. So one of the things the elders wanted to really look at this year and kind of keep that thread going, and especially in this first couple of months, is, is to just reminding us about the importance of connecting with God, right? So there's these other connections coming, but they were like, no, no, the, the number one thing is always our connection with God. So we're going to spend a few weeks talking about that, right? What does that look like? How do we do that better? Um, and then the bottom one, I'll come back to the middle one. The bottom one is connecting out. So that was our focus last year, if you remember, right? So another way of saying it was helping others connect with God. And we had that real focus on um, how to share our faith last year. We talked about some of the real hard questions that people ask, like why does God allow suffering and all this kind of stuff. So we'd be better equipped to, to talk to our friends um, about God. We did like light party, the Christmas service. There were other things that we were doing to help us kind of reach out, right? Is that a simple way to do it? So connect up, connecting with God. Um, and then last year there was that real focus on kind of connecting out or connecting those outside our, our whānau here um, with God. And so that's a key that we want to keep going, right? So we want to keep the up, we want to keep the out continuing on. But one of the big ones that the elders really wanted to focus on, and when I say this next bit, it's going to sound a bit offensive. So if it does, come up to me afterwards and tell me, or go and talk to Al, because he's like the nicest guy ever, and no one could be angry with Al. One of the, well, Al's one of the elders. Um, we really wanted to have a focus on connecting in, especially leading up to camp. And so one of the things as an eldership that we really kept hearing from people last year is a lot of, and this is the bit I want to say real carefully, a lot of people fell out of the habit of connecting with the church community. They fell out of the, the, the habit, in a good sense of the word habit, of connecting with God. Um, through the pandemic, the last three years has been ridiculous, right? Absolutely crazy, lockdowns and vaccines and all this madness. And a lot of people have just found it a real hard time to not be in that regular routine of getting to church where they connect with the community of God's people, they connect with God and stuff. And so one of the big things that elders wanted to focus on is the up, the out, but this first um, couple of months and then kind of carrying on into the year is this whole focus on us connecting together, Right? and encouraging people to be more regular attending church. Now, we know life is mad and crazy and all that kind of stuff, but as an eldership, we just see there's a real importance, a real vitality that happens when we're here <laughs> because we just naturally connect with God because we're all worshipping and hopefully there's a good sermon. You can tell me afterwards. Um, we're connecting with God's people, and it just it, it revitalizes our relationship with God. So that's the, the, one of the big focus. So these three focuses are foci. I don't know how you say it are kind of where we're going um, this year. But in saying that, I want to acknowledge that the last three years, really, um, has been really tough on people. So there's zero judgment. So if you're sitting there thinking, ah, oh, I'm feeling so guilty now because I didn't come to church, then you're totally not hearing what the elders are saying. Oh, and kia ora podcast people, kia ora video people. Good to see you. Kia ora. Um, yeah, so th we're not saying that at all, because we acknowledge it's been a mad like last while. There's been so much sickness and craziness, right? 
So let me start with a silly story. This is super cheesy, but I read it this week and it just made me laugh. So um, I'm thinking about us not going to church all the time. I don't think this is true. I think it was written to be funny, but I found it hilarious. So as was a normal routine on a Sunday morning, a wife got ready for church. She got up, had breakfast, showered, got dressed, put on makeup and was ready to go. It was just as she was ready to leave that she noticed her husband was still in his robe and pajamas. She asked him, what's going on? I'm not going to church, he said. What do you mean you're not going to church? Give me one good reason why you're not going to church. The husband responded, I'll give you three good reasons why I'm not going to church. Reason number one, the church feels cold. Reason number two, no one likes me. And reason number three, I just don't like it there. Is that good enough? He concluded quite proudly. Well, what if I give you three reasons why you should go to church, the wife answered. Reason number one, the church is actually quite warm and friendly. Reason number two, there's a few people there who do like you. And reason number three is you're the pastor, sweetheart, so you better get dressed and get to church. <laughs> um, I know that's silly, but I just want to acknowledge there's days we wake up, and it's really hard to get here, right? So good job, <laughs> you're being here, gold star on everyone's charts, right? Um, it is weird, just a side note, that's real weird being a pastor in church, because I'm literally being paid to be here right now, Right? And I sometimes feel weird when I pray, because I pray for you all, like, all the time. And I'll be praying for someone, and I'm like, man, I'm literally getting paid to pray for you now. Just, it's that, do you know what I mean? It feels weird, because I should do it, because I love you, but I don't really love you. I only do it because I'm paid. No, I'm joking. Hey, so the first thing we're going to look at, um, we've lost our little clicky thing. So we had a few events over the break, and we've lost our remote thing, so I'm going to have to um, ask Kelly. It's at your house. <laughs> So that's really funny. I was going to say, Jade had a massive birthday party celebration. She turned 30, which was very exciting. So happy birthday, Jade. Yeah, and let's do a clappy thing. And that was a feeble clappy thing. Let's do a clappy thing, right? Let's clap. Very good. Okay. I don't know. And I was going to say, Jade had a big birthday party here, and I bet you she stole the remote mouse. But I thought, no, I'll just make it general. But I was right. So anyway. <laughs> So I'm just going to say, Kelly, next slide. So Kelly, next slide. Um, so this is where we're going for the next couple of weeks, right? Talking about connecting up, connecting with God. Um, pretty clear. And so I thought a good place to start is, next slide, Kelly, um, with this whole thing here. Who is God? And I thought there's no point talking about connecting with God if I don't take a Sunday or two to just talk a bit about who God is, right? Now, as you guys know, we would be here for literally eternity, which means there is no end if we were now going to talk about everything of who God is, right? Because last time I checked, he's pretty awesome and beyond our understanding, and there would be no end. So I just chose two things um, that I wanted to talk about this morning. And these are from that, that really cool passage in Isaiah 6 that John John read so beautifully before. So here's the first one. Can you um, click? Thanks, Kelly. Uh, Kelly. Um, so here's the first one. God is holy. Um, God is holy. Uh, now, I... Th- <laughs> No disrespect, but I thought this is one of those funny phrases we say in church all the time about God being holy, and I thought it'd be interesting to take a quick poll, which we're not going to do, and see who actually knows what that means, right? Because heaps of times we say church things, but we really have no idea. And so if, so stop for a second in your own head. Don't yell anything out because everyone will judge you. No, they won't. Do you know what it means for God to be holy? So I had some understanding, but did a whole bunch of research this week and found out a whole bunch more, right? Um, I, I love this term that God is holy, right? And one of the cool things that you see in that Isaiah passage is um, when the, the seraphim, those crazy angels with the wings and feet and eyes and kind of freaky looking, um, are calling out to God, they say, holy, holy, holy. And so one of my questions straight away, 
to me, obviously, is why do they say holy, holy, holy? Why not just say holy and full stop, right? So I did some thinking and some reading this week, and here's a cool answer. Can you click? Whoa, shot. Let's read this quote from um, Moita. He says, Hebrew uses repetition to express either a superlative, as when pure gold in 2 uh, Kings 25.15 translates gold, gold, or a totality, as when full of tar pits in Genesis 14.10 translates pits, pits. So stop for a second and focus back here and stop reading the screen, because I know heaps of you are now, I don't care about Craig, I'm reading the screen, so focus. I just find that hilarious, right? So what, they, what he's saying is in Hebrew, there's no, the, the best way of saying something is extra awesome as you say it twice. Does it make sense? So if I wanted to so say, my wife is a fox, right? So if I wanted to say in Hebrew, Joseph is a fox, fox, I'd say fox, fox. So Josephine is a fox, fox. Does it make sense? Or if I wanted to say Lee is kind of crazy, I'd say crazy, crazy. Is that, do you with me, right? I love that. Okay, back to the screen. I mean, some of you are looking at me like, I can't believe you called Lee crazy, but it's okay. <laughs> Lee has to forgive me because she's a Christian. Okay, so now we carry on. But here for the only time in the Hebrew Bible, equality is raised to the power of three, as if to say that the divine holiness is so far beyond anything the human mind can grasp that a super superlative has to be invented to express it. And furthermore, that this transcendent holiness is the total truth about God. I love that, eh? It's the only time in the Hebrew Bible when a word's repeated three times. A bunch of times through the Bible, right? But only when it's talking about the holiness of God. So you go back to the pits, pits thing, right? Or the gold, gold thing. And what the Hebrew writers were trying to say is they're like, how do we talk about the holiness of God just being extra incredible, extra amazing, extra above anything. And they're like, oh, we'll just say it three times. And I thought it was really funny or interesting when Josephine welcomed you all. Did you notice she said, welcome, welcome, welcome? And I was like, whoa, she like really means it. So, no, that's cool. So I, I love that, eh? So that's what this, why they repeat it three times to say this is really important. Okay, next slide. Thanks, Gilly. Hey, so Holy has um, a couple of, couple of pretty key meanings, and I think a lot of you would know this. Um, the main meaning of holiness is to be set apart, right? To be set apart. Um, turn to someone and say set apart, because I'm getting weird vibes from some of you. Is that right? I've got the microphone, so that means you have to do it. So some of you didn't, so we're going to do it again. Turn to someone and say set apart. Is that good? And there's still some people that are like, nah, not doing it. All right, I know where you live. I'm going to come burn your house down. Um, so set apart. So set apart obviously means set apart from something and set apart to something, right? Makes kind of sense, right? Um, so the set apart from is pretty obvious, so thanks, Kelly. Um, we'll read this verse over in 2 Corinthians 6, 14. Um, and this is a bit of a grunty passage, but it's the Bible, so it's okay for me to preach it last time I checked. So jump over to 2 Corinthians. If you've got a Bible, eh, this is a grunty one, so it's a good, a good one to make sure you're reading along with me so you know I'm not just making this stuff up. Um, 2 Corinthians 6.14. So we're thinking about the fact that holiness means to be set apart, right? Um, God is holy. God calls us holy again and again and again in the New Testament. We're called holy, right? So what does that mean, this whole holiness thing? So let me read this, um, 6.14. Uh, so Paul says, Don't team up with those who are unbelievers. How can righteousness be a partner with wickedness? How can light live with darkness? I'll read 15 as well, eh? What harmony can there be between Christ and the devil? Pretty extreme, right? How can a believer be a partner with an unbeliever? And what union can there be between God's temple and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. And he, he kind of carries on. So I'm 
um, been around the block a bit. Got lots of white in my beard at the moment, which I'm personally excited about because with whiteness comes wisdom, is the theory, right? Um, I don't know how many times over my years I've met someone who's gone into business. They're a Christian, strong Christian, and they've gone into business with someone who's not a Christian, and it's just turned to custard. And every time it's because there's different ethics, different morality, right? Does it make sense, eh? You with me? Um, same thing, and again, I want to say this really carefully, same thing in, in marriage. Paul's saying don't team up. Like if you're a Christian, you have different ethics, different moral standards because you are holy. You are set apart from evil, from sin, from wickedness. It's always going to have different ethics, different morality of someone who's not a Christian, right? It makes sense, right? So the first thing is we're set apart from sin and evil. And when you think about God, it's kind of obvious that he's set apart from sin, from evil, right? Because anything sinful, anything evil is obviously the opposite of who God is. So he, he has to be set apart from it. I think that's pretty obvious. Um, but the other side of this, and this is kind of a weird one, is holiness means to be set apart to God. So chuck that next one up, Kelly. Um, so look at this Isaiah 58 uh, passage here. If you've got your Bible again, um, jump over there. Isaiah 58, 13, 14. Um, oh, it's about the Sabbath. We'll talk about that in a second, sorry. So on this holiness thing, there's two parts, right? One was set apart from sin and wickedness, which is pretty grunty. And I'm going to come back to talk about that because that can make you feel real stink because last time I checked, every one of us in here still sins, right? Some not very often, some more regularly than others. <laughs> but all of us still sin, but God calls us to be holy, right? He calls us to be pure. But the other side of this holiness means to be set apart from, uh, to God, right? Um, to God. And one of the things I always think about this is in the temple, right? So in the Old Testament, there was a temple where the people would go to worship God. All the items in the temple were specifically called holy. The, 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 there's a candlestick that's holy. There's a table that's holy. There's bread that's holy. Everything's holy. And the idea is it's not to be used for normal stuff, right? It's, to be, it's all set apart, only to be used by God, right? It makes sense. You're with me, eh? Cool. Um, and a very cheesy illustration, but this is what always pops into my head when I think of the items in the temple being holy is this, right? Um, imagine Mrs. Priest, right? So the priests in the Old Testament are all men. I don't know what the lady's name is. Mrs. Priest. Um, they were having visitors coming around for dinner that night, and the cat knocks over the candlestick at home because that's how they had light, right? They didn't have like, light switches like us. So she phones her, that was a joke, her husband, who's a priest at the temple, She's like, hey, honey, we've got these people coming around. The cat knocked over the candlestick. We're going to have no light. How do, we, how do we have these people around? Could you bring home the candlestick from the temple? And we could have that in the house. It's got like seven things. It'll be so light. It'll be amazing. We'll light that. It'll be fantastic. The priest's response would be what? What would the priest say? Are you mad, woman? Right? <laughs> the, the thought to do that to an Old Testament person is just insanity. <laughs> Why? Because the, that candlestick, the table, the bread, whatever, is set apart specially to be used by God, right? You with me, eh? Okay, I want to read this little um, passage from Isaiah, which talks about the Sabbath. Um, this is another aspect that's called holy, right? So Isaiah 58, 13 and 14 um, says, Keep the Sabbath day holy. Don't pursue your own interests on that day. I love that, eh? Um, but enjoy the Sabbath and speak of it with delight as the Lord's holy day. Honor the Sabbath and everything you do on that day, and don't follow your own desires or talk idly. I love that, eh? And then, so if we do that, then the Lord will be your delight. I'll give you great honor, satisfy you with the inheritance, and he carries on, right? 
Um, I love this. So to me, this is something that I feel is more desperately needed now than ever before in the history of the planet is to have a Sabbath time, right? Um, Joseph and I find it really hard because a lot of people will Sabbath on Sunday, but for us, we're now working. <laughs> so we just can't Sabbath on a Sunday. We've tried and it just does not work, right? And so what we do is we normally do a Thursday night, um, like a 24-hour period is the idea. So we're going to do a Thursday night going through to Friday evening, or maybe it's Friday night going through to Saturday evening, and just try and have this 24 hours of our Sabbath. And I love the, the words that he talks about in here. It's not about, and I say this really carefully, a Sabbath is not about sitting down and just reading my Bible for 24 hours and like floating around because I'm so spiritual. And the only music we listen to for 24 hours is worship music, you know, extra loud, and TV is, you know, burnt, at the, you know, <laughs> it's not like that, and I love how he says it, the idea is you're doing your normal stuff, but with a focus on God, with a connection on God, right, does it make sense, you with me, why, because the Sabbath is holy, the Sabbath is something that's not to be used for evil, for wrong, and he says to be, um, like, to speak idly, but instead the Sabbath is for, um, set apart for us to be connected more deeply with God, right, now, I just really want to encourage you on this, because I, I don't talk to a lot of us modern humans who Sabbath, because most of us are like, bro, if you saw my weekend, I could have like a five-minute Sabbath between taking kids to sports and working and all this other chaos and craziness and stuff. But one of the things I'd love to encourage you to do, to me, this passage makes it real clear. Jesus talks about the Sabbath in the New Testament. Paul talks about it. One of the things that I feel like we desperately need more than ever is to have a, a holy day, Right? A day that's set apart from sin and wickedness, that's kind of obvious, but a day that's set apart to hang out with God. And again, it's not about doing special spiritual things on that day, although that might be part of what you do. It's really about having a day, a 24-hour period, where you're just being more conscious of who God is, right? So often on a Thursday night, Jason and I will go for a walk, and we have a little prayer, we'll pray, asking God to just lead us into this next 24 hours, asking Him to make us more aware of Him, right? Because again, it's about connecting with God, being set apart for God, right? Cool. Okay, um, question time. Hit the thing, Kelly. Hey, so just got a couple of questions for you. So what does it mean that we are holy, dedicated, devoted, set apart for God? What does it actually mean, right? I've talked a bit about it, but how would you explain that to someone? And then the second question kind of unpacks that more. What does this look like in regular daily life? Like, what does it look like to be holy as opposed to someone who's not holy? <laughs> just a normal, average, everyday life. So grab a friend, have a little chat. If you're a visitor and you don't want to talk to people, which is totally understandable, just stare at the screen, and that's the message that God's talking to you, right? Um, all the people beside you are super weird. Nah. Um, so yeah, we'll just take a couple of minutes, grab a friend or two, have a little chat, and then we'll carry on. Cool. Alrighty, kia ora, kia ora. Hey, any thoughts on either of those questions? What does it look like to be holy? In regular life, anyway. I think it's a good challenge for us to think about the choices keeping as well. Yeah, no, that's cool. So Louise is saying it comes a lot of this comes down to the choices that we're gonna make, right? Where is that focus coming from? That's cool. Yeah. Anyone else? What else? No, too scary. There's a lot of judgmental people in this church. Elise. Yeah, that's cool. So Lisa's saying she's kind of fallen into that job at work where she's caring for staff and trying to be real gracious in that, right? Which is cool, rather than too focused on at work. It's awesome. Yeah. Uh-oh. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, 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 cool. Um, saying 
to keep the commandments and, and have Jesus in our life. I think that's, that's such a good one, not rocket science, eh? The tighter we connect with God, the more, to me, all this makes sense, right? Yeah, it's cool. And I, just a weird thing, Joseph and I were talking about just then is, I think there's a danger in even talking about the Sabbath and talking about holiness that we can get real religious. Does it make sense? We can get real religious. We can also get real judgmental. And one thing's to, and I say this kind of carefully, kind of not carefully, a lot of something that one person would see as sin and wickedness is just not for someone else, right? There's obviously a ton of things that is for everyone, but we're all really different. And the way that I connect with God is going to be quite different sometimes for the way you connect with God. And so it's all about me having a Sabbath. How do I have a Sabbath? How do I connect with God? Rather than, oh, what do you do? What do you do? What? Oh, you know what I mean, eh? So, all right, cool. So that's the holiness bit, right? So we'll cruise on. Here's the second one, Kelly. Thanks. Um, second one is God is sovereign, right? Um, God is sovereign. So this is a real simple meaning. I think most of us understand this. Thanks, Kelly. Um, just means that God is over everything, right? Absolutely everything. Um, God is supreme over me, you, the universe, everything, right? Uh, I thought the easiest way to explain this one, because I think most of us would agree with that, is just to read a bunch of verses. So we just got uh, three or four verses I wanted to read. I'll put all these on the screen. Thanks, Kelly. Here's the first one, Psalm 103, verse 19. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens, and his kingdom rules over all. Now, I love that, right? His kingdom rules over all, so everything. There's nothing that exists, nothing that was created that's outside God's rulership, right? His authority, his sovereignty. Cool. Next one, thanks, Kelly. Um, Colossians 1, 16, 17. I just absolutely love this verse. So this is talking about Jesus, and it says, For through him, through Jesus... God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before every, anything else, and he holds all creation together. Uh, every time I read this, I know I've said it before, but I always that verse, uh, the, the line in the middle, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world, it always reminds me, we only see a small percentage of God's creation, right? There's a whole unseen spiritual realm that we're just not even aware of, and God is over all this, right? Um, last one, thanks, Ephesians. Thanks, Kelly. Ephesians 3.20, Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. I, I just love that, eh? Um, I think for me personally, one of the biggest things I get from thinking about the sovereignty of God is the security and the peace that that brings to me, right? Does it make sense? The security and the peace that it brings to me, man. The world can be falling apart, but last time I checked, God's on the throne. He knows what's happening. <laughs> um, if he's over the entire world, then he's certainly over me. He can sort out my stuff. Um, I was thinking about this week, and this might sound a little bit disrespectful, but this is what kept popping into my head. Never, ever does God mow the lawns, come back in, and the Holy Spirit's like, oh, God. While you're out mowing the lawns, Craig had a massive crisis and everything's fallen apart. What were you doing, right? Um, God is always on the throne. He's always caring for you. He's always caring for me. Um, because he's sovereign, because he loves you, but because he's sovereign. He's over all things, right? Um, now, sometimes we disagree. And one of the things I'm trying to stop saying is that God's timing is good, but God's timing drives me nuts. Because that seems a bit disrespectful, so that's kind of a thing I'm going to try and stop saying. And I read this quote this week, which I thought was hilarious. Thanks, Kelly. Um, Vernon McGee's a, an author, and he said this, This is God's universe, and God does things his way. 
you may have a better way, but you don't have a universe. And I was like, that's cool. It's God's universe, so he's, he's got us, right? Um, so I'm just going to spend a couple of minutes on this next thing, because where your head can go when you think about God's sovereignty is what about evil and sickness and stuff in the world? Where does that fit into the fact of God being sovereign? So next slide, thanks, Killy. Um, so God's sovereignty doesn't mean he causes evil, right? God's sovereignty doesn't mean he causes evil. And I, I just want to sit on, on two words. There's a big difference between God causing something and God allowing something to happen, right? So there's a difference between God causing something to happen and God allowing something to happen. He's still, it's all under his control, but there's things that he allows to happen. Because we're in a messed up, fallen world, right? Because we sin, because we make stupid choices. So silly illustration. Um, I think I told you a little while ago. So I once broke both arms at the same time, which was phenomenal skill, right? So playing basketball with some young guys, running to get the ball, and one of the guys, to stop himself, pushed me, which just launched me straight into a wall, just, and crack, crack, and I was like, ah, and there was a doctor's office right beside where we were playing basketball, and I went in, and I remember standing there just, sh- like, shaking with the pain, you know, and the pain's so good, you're just like, I'm, and I'm, like, going to pass out, and the doctor took one look at me, he's like, hospital, and then the best thing you ever hear when you're in huge pain, when they come back with the X-ray, and they go, X-ray, and they go, yes, it's broken, because the worst thing to hear is, oh, no, it's just a bad sprain, go home, and you're like, I'm so embarrassed right now, right? So I ended up having casts on both arms for five weeks, which was hilarious, right? So here's a simple question. If God is sovereign, if he's over all things, did God break my arms? <laughs> it makes sense, eh? And I would say, no, of course not, right? God loves me. God is a good father. He cares for me. So the other side of it, though, is did God allow me to break my arms? And my answer is, oh, totally. Yeah, totally. Did God cause it? No, definitely not. Did God allow me to break my arms. Oh, totally, right? Because he's over all things, right? Now, I want to be real serious here, and I want to say this next bit really, really carefully. Um, God cannot do evil. God loves us like crazy, right? But we live in a fallen, messed up world, and we are fallen, messed up people. So bad stuff will happen to us, right? Um, We've got people in church um, struggling with cancer, real scary cancer, right? Real scary. Um, We've got people in church with really bad heart conditions, blood pressure, real scary, scary stuff. I was at the hospital last week visiting someone up there. It's a scary touch-and-go kind of situation. Um, Did God cause the cancer, the heart? No, of course not. Does God allow that because we live in a fallen, messed-up world? Yeah, I, I have to say, yeah, he does. Now, and, and I say this next bit real carefully. Can God support and care for someone and give them strength to get through that? Yeah, he really can, right? He really can. I'm not saying it's easy. Super hard, super terrifying, right? Both my parents died of cancer, and watching them go through that was just horrible, right? They loved Jesus, but fallen, messed up world, right? Um, but God can strengthen us through it. And I want to be real careful on the teaching thing. I... If God wants to teach someone something through a horrible event, that's up to him. And it always makes me nervous when someone says, oh, well, God will teach you something through this. I'm like, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. We live in just a messed up, fallen world. And sometimes, yeah, we will learn something through it. But sometimes you're like, I don't know. A horrible thing's happened, and I don't feel like I'm learning anything. This is just terrible. But does God sustain us? Yeah, does God strengthen us? Does God care for us through it? Yeah, he totally does, right? Um, 
I just want to read this, this verse from Matthew 7. So can you, oh, thanks, Kelly. Just jump over to Matthew 7 for a minute, because to me, it, this is real important, because we're talking about pretty grunty stuff here. Um, Matthew 7, 9 um, to 11. This is just a real, <laughs> it's real funny, but you see it. Let me read it. It says, um, Matthew 7, 9 to 11. Um, Jesus is speaking, and he says, You parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask him? I love that, eh? Now, I always find this funny, because Jesus is pretty funny. There's a lot of phrases that Jesus says in teachings that are actually hilarious. And this one always cracks me up. And I don't know why, but I kept thinking of Brett this week when I was thinking about this. And I was imagining Grayson comes home from school. Grayson's really hungry with his beautiful, glorious hair. He goes to Brett and he's like, Dad, man, there was some fish last night we had. There's some left over. Could I get the fish? Can you imagine Brett being like, you can't get some fish, but here's a snake. Go! And the snake, it's like ridiculous, right? And Jesus' whole point here is, man, Brett is the man, but I'm pretty sure if I checked with the least, there's still a sin, like once every five years, maybe, because he's pretty perfect, right? And his point is, man, if Brett, who is a sinner, <laughs> would never do that, does, only gives good gifts to his kids, then how much more is God, right? I, I love that, eh? Um, let me finish with this little um, story, because I want it to be real serious as I finish up, right? Um, so there's a, an author called Ed Dobson, and some of you might have heard of him. He was a pastor in America, so he died in 2015 from ALS, which is a, a motor neuron disease, right? Slowly your body basically, all your nerve endings die and your body shuts down. And you basically can't eat and you suffocate. It's a horrible, horrible, horrible way to die. So um, he died in 2015, and someone said to him not long before he passed away, oh, I bet you that God gave you this. God gave you ALS. And here's his response, which to me is really cool. This is what he said. He said, I've tried to serve God faithfully all my life, though I've not been perfect. I've tried to passionately follow him. And now this God whom I've been following has given me this disease because he trusts me? Question mark. In other words, what? He said, what kind of theology is that? <laughs> I do believe God could have prevented the disease. I do believe God can still heal me, but I don't believe God is responsible for giving me this disease. We live in a broken world. It's a world of sickness, disease, and death. I believe I was genetically predisposed to ALS and that something happened in my life that triggered the disease. I don't believe God had anything to do with it. I think God might help me through it, but I don't think he's the cause. I love that response, right? You can see the difference real clearly there between cause and allow. He's saying, God's allowed this. I don't know why. This is horrible. God's allowed this, but God loves me. He's a good father. There's no way he caused this. Um, I just want to finish with this one thought, right? I've talked about the holiness and how we should be set apart and all that stuff, but I just want to say this. I know some of you have some massive stuff going on. There's business struggles, just normal finance because the economy's going crazy, health issues. There's just a lot of big stuff, kids that you're just stressed out of your tree about. Um, I'm not for a second saying trusting the sovereignty of God is easy in those situations. But we have to work really hard to trust God in those situations. Does it make sense? He's not pulling out a snake. <laughs> He's not pulling out a stone when we ask for good things from him. He's a good God. But we live in a messed up, fallen, crazy world. Um, so one thing I do all the time is just claim that peace. I have some big stuff. Jason and I have some big stuff 
in our life that we're really wrestling with. And I'm like, what are you doing, God? And I just have to come back to the sovereignty of God and go, God's got it. Doesn't make sense to me. I think this is ridiculous. If I was God, I'd do it a better way. But last time I checked, I don't have a universe. <laughs> so I just have to trust him and go, God's got this. God knows what he's doing. I'm going to choose to, to be in a place of peace because God is over this. Eh? Let's all stand up and let me pray for us. And we're going to, then we'll carry on and sung worship. Eh? Let me pray. Yeah, kia ora guy. I know a sermon like this can sound real easy and real glib and like, yeah, if you've got bad stuff, just trust Jesus. But we know it's not that easy at all. When we have kids that are freaking us out, that are sick, when we have health issues and we have really scary financial situations, um, for me to just stand up and be like, trust Jesus is totally not what I'm saying, eh? Um, I know that through your indwelling spirit, you can give us that peace, God. You can come to us and say, look, I know this is really hard. I know this is really hard, but I have you. You are my child. I love you. I care about you. Just hold on to me. Uh, we know that the closer we walk with you, the more we connect with you, the deeper we connect with you, the more all this crazy hard stuff makes sense or is easy to handle, God. So I, just, I really call out to you now in the name of Jesus. Anyone listening on the podcast, anyone watching on video, Anyone here at church this morning, God, that's going through a really tough time, I pray that they would see beyond a shadow of a doubt that you have them, God. You are holding them close. You are their peace. You are their strength. You are their security because you are over all things and you love them like crazy. I pray all this in the name of Jesus.